Welcome to the Have Company podcast, a podcast that bridges the gap between artists and their community. I'm grateful to share conversations with Have Company artists and residents, friends, and a little bit of my own thoughts on creating work and finding balance. Hey, Have Company podcast listeners, Marley here. We would love it if you could take a minute to answer our five question survey. We want to hear from our listeners to learn more about how you listen and what you're interested in hearing more of so that we can continue to improve our output. You can find this quick little survey next to this podcast episode at have-company.com podcast. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Hello and welcome to the Have Company podcast. It's Marley and Liz. Hey. Um, I'm here with Liz Oh, whoa. Okay, wait. I got this. <laughs> Miliarelli. Yeah. Yes! You did it. <laughs> well, it's because Talia's Miliacho. And it's like a pretty similar... Uh, yeah, it is. Um, the G. The silent, silent G. G. Yeah. Like in lasagna. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Liz is visiting us from Mendocino County. And Liz is the person, the incredible person behind Sister Spinster, which a lot of people know, and that's how Liz and I came to know each other is from her line of both single flower flower essences and the mixtures of gem essence flower essence potions um so Liz when when people are like what do you do (laughs) what's your kind of like one-liner or your your two-liner um well if it's someone at a party I usually tell them that I'm not an herbalist and I'll make something up because then people ask me to heal them sure (laughs) they're like oh um i what what's good for eczema or like can you fix my crackly elbow and i'm like okay whatever but um i yeah i think i wear many hats Mm -hmm. i am a medicine maker Mm -hmm. um i have a product line i am an herbal educator Mm -hmm. um i also teach magic classes folk magic classes um and i'm a clinician i see clients and help people um with ailments whether they be physical spiritual mental emotional which is all kind of the same thing in my mind and you are at this point in your life just for transparency a hundred percent your own boss you don't have like a separate day job. You're you fully support yourself financially off of both your product line and your work. Yes. And how? Let's let's first backtrack a little bit. Okay. Um, and I ask that only because I feel like I've I've been thinking that lately I we get a little bit deeper into the podcast before that transparency comes up a little mm. bit, and I don't. Again, I don't. I'm I'm always trying to encourage listeners that there's not a, a right or wrong formula. Yeah. If anything, there is often much glory in the day job, and that can be fine. But uh-huh. I like people to just kind of know like where people are at. That's coming from. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about you. You went to college. I did at Evergreen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- I think maybe that is where some of your interest in plants. Mm-hmm maybe became more of like, oh, maybe this would be like a thing that I do more professionally. So why don't you tell us how you got into, you know, herbalism and and herbs as a way of healing and how how your journey began? Yeah, it's funny because I've been thinking about that question a lot recently and just in terms of 
how many different things brought me to doing Mm -hmm. this and like it's just like reading Sappho's poetry was a huge part of me becoming an herbalist and then like different songs and just it feels like there's so many different elements of what um I bring into this work Mm -hmm. that um yeah so it's like it's all relevant to how I got here in Mm -hmm. one way or another Mm -hmm. and um I yeah I guess I mean it mainly started with a more definitive version of me starting at Evergreen Mm -hmm. um I was living in Olympia with um a single mom named Maeve and she was a healer and she had two kids and um she grew up on an island commune in Alaska and her mom was yeah her mom was the island midwife and she knew a lot about plants just from being in that environment as a child and growing up there and so I got really sick when I was in Olympia mm-hmm. um which I had kind of been sick my whole life with different like skin conditions and then it just kind of elevated to this point of being so depressed and so not happy in my body because of the way my skin felt that I wanted to just leave my body um and Maeve was like why don't you try drinking nettle tea and see what happens and it was basically from that point on that everything kind of shifted but there was a whole lot of other um influences like in terms of me opening to plants which was that I was for some time living out of a Volkswagen mm-hmm. bus with my ex and we were traveling around studying folklore of the west coast for college mm-hmm. credit uh-huh. <laughs> and um we I just like met people and was reading about how people use plants locally and regionally and that was really inspiring and mm-hmm. I don't know it was just like a whole bunch of different forces kind of coming together that then pushed me to study with a woman in Olympia named Corinne Boyer and then take classes at Evergreen about plant medicine and then I just kind of continued from there and hopefully we'll never stop learning about the plants never go back yeah <laughs> do you have a favorite plant uh, no, I'm like really it's not probably, like, a terrible. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, you've taken classes with me, and I literally yeah. say about every plant, I'm like this plant's my favorite plant, yeah, yeah. and then it changes to right. the next plant that I'm talking about because. Right. Yeah, they're like friends in that way, and when they're all so beautiful and unique, and they can show up for you in so many diverse, different ways, it's like hard to have a favorite person. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe that's easy for others. Yeah, maybe. But... <laughs> not for me, if anyone's ever listened. Um, sorry, now I'm just laughing at myself. Um, the teaching side of your practice is also really important. And do you feel like that came naturally to you? Or also, what's the order of maybe... So you you go to Evergreen, you're you're starting to get interest in in plant medicine, interest in plant medicine, and then when does Sister Spinster as a product line hmm. be birthed into the world? Yeah. Um so I moved to the Bay Area um after living in Olympia. Um with the purpose of going to herb school, I went to the Ohlone Herbal Center in Berkeley mm-hmm. for a three-year clinical training program. And I went there because I was like, I want to try to make this my life's work and mm-hmm. be able to get paid for doing mm-hmm. what I love. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, and yeah, so it was kind of, I think that's Sister Spinster formed at my first herbal medicine fair that I had to do as a first year student. Um, and I was like handwriting all of the labels and stamping all of them. And, um, yeah, it was just a very, um, lovely, small, small thing that I like never imagined would get as sure as large as it has, which is a blessing every day. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. And so I, I don't know. I, I think I always wanted to teach because the plants are so inspiring to me. And I also have this like weird relationship with having a product line that I'm trying to validate basically every day um, around having products and capitalism and um, what that means. And so I think for me, if I wasn't teaching, I would think I would feel really bad about having a product line. Sure. Just because I think the thing that's really great about teaching is that, you know, I'm able to help people feel empowered enough to make their own medicines and feel right. like they don't have to buy other people's stuff if they don't want to. But right. there, there's that option, which is wonderful, but that they can also make their own stuff and ha- be in relationship with the plants right. in their own way. Right. Not that buying other people's products isn't wonderful right. and amazing, but right. just, yeah. So for me, it kind of has just come hand in hand mm-hmm. teaching and, um, yeah, and making the products. And I think I'm just really excited about the plants and mm. they, I feel like when I'm teaching, they just kind of I don't know. I feel like this weird thing happens where I just open up and sometimes I hear myself say things and I'm like, whoa, where the hell did that come from? Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. I like to make room for the plants to speak in different ways. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'd love to return. And of course this came up in the workshops that you taught here, but how, you know, how we exist within capitalism, I think as radical people, Um, and I think what's really interesting that I'm always running up against running this space and I think your products are a great example of this conversation that I think about too is you know you make something that's like really colorful and looks fun to buy Mm -hmm. and it has fun names Mm -hmm. and there's that line and I feel like I carry a lot of stuff in here that's similar whether it's zines or products that I kind of carry them on purpose that way because I want people to get into herbal medicine, natural healing, looking at alternative ways of mental health, healing, etc. And so it's interesting and I feel like it's always funny like Saturn return I feel like is often one of the most sold of yours mm. that we carry because I think it's super people like are like I get I know what that time is like <laughs> and I'm almost 30 like I bet I need it now. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, what's your experience been like especially because you also make the single flower essences Mm -hmm. so maybe what's your relationship been like making them both different the like mixed source Mm -hmm. ones and the single ones um both sorry this is kind of a long question now i'm processing some of it myself (laughs) too but um both in terms of when you're suggesting something to someone Mm -hmm. to take Mm -hmm. um and just your relationship to like telling like here it is and to a store um yeah what's that been like yeah so I mean I think the difference for me in those two lines is that the 
formulas have pretty solid intentions behind them. Mm -hmm. There's like a purpose or theme in each formula that I've been thinking about and working with probably on my own and then develops Mm -hmm. um, into a formula that I've tried with clients and friends and um, other folks as well. Um, And then the single essences came after because it was really out of a wanting to provide folks in the Bay Area with plants that grew outside of their door, um, especially within Oakland. Like, all Mm -hmm. of those essences I made in Oakland. um, And just as a way to tune into what's around them and their environment and how to be in relationship with plants when we think, like, oh, I'm living in a city and nature is not accessible to Mm -hmm. me. But actually, Mm -hmm. nature is still thriving and abundant Mm -hmm. and especially in Oakland, you know, people don't really think about that that often, but Oakland has like amazing parks and the streets are full of blooming plants and it's a pretty incredible place to live and notice that vibrancy. But, um, so, so that line kind of came out of this idea of wanting to just connect folks with the plants that were outside of their door. And that also kind of happened before. I feel like a lot of people heard about my line Mm -hmm. and I don't have there's only a few shops that carry my single essences Mm -hmm. so there's not those aren't widely known or they're known from my website I guess sure which people then go on my website and read and kind of identify with a plan and then they'll get it which works um and what was the that's good. Okay. Well, I think what what I will say to that, which I've been thinking about lately, is like, for me, well, I generally, when people ask, like, how do you pick what you carry in your store? Mm. I generally say it's things my friends make, mm-hmm. or or I started carrying them and they became my friends, which, you know, is exactly our example, yeah. or they're things that I've used for years or find useful or promote self-care and usually the idea that you're going to make something yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking about your stuff the other day. Cause I was like, it's interesting that I only carry the flower essences of yours that I use, mm-hmm. but I do carry your whole line mm-hmm. and I don't use all of those. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking the other day, I was like, maybe it would make more sense to me if I only, if I stayed true to that in terms of, even though I sell all of them. Mm-hmm. So it kind of goes back to that. Like, mm. how am I existing in capitalism or in this weird world of like telling people to buy stuff. Yeah. And I don't necessarily want to be like buy all of Liz's stuff just cuz I love Liz. Like if my thing is to more look at what am I using and what do I want people to use, but then I don't want people to just use the shit I want to use either. <laughs> so I I was just thinking about that the other day. Yeah, it's really weird and especially just I mean for me too cuz like you carry Yarrow here yeah. at your shop mm-hmm. and I Yarrow grows most places. It's not a hard plant to be able to find. Even mm-hmm. in a city, you know, I've mm-hmm. seen it growing in the cracks of Grand Rapids mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. being here. And and for me, like, I think if someone needs that plant, I'll just say, you should go and find this plant right. and work right. with it, like, in person and right. not... Um, I mean, of course I want to tell people to buy an essence if that works for them, but usually right. I'm, like, kind of the last person that will refer to my own products. Right. Well, and I think <laughs> that's something that Rachel Knapp, who I've referred to on the podcast before, she's a craniosacral therapist here, and she uses your products and also came and took your class, and we were talking about, 
you know, it's interesting that I carry these lines that are made in California when I think both you and Nick have suggested multiple times, like, you should take plant medicine from where you live. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, inter- which is tricky because, again, like, you want people to take your products and yeah. and put your stuff. So the more, you know, so if you're going to wholesale all around the country, but you also want to promote people to have plants that are from where they live yeah how have you maybe run into that or thought about that yeah the way that I've thought about it thus far is that I feel like the formulas I'm making you can't find elsewhere Mm -hmm. um and maybe you can and that's really cool and I encourage people to buy that locally (laughs) but like I don't know of any other formulas I would like to try them that are encouraging like underworld work with your ghosts you know and so for me it's like okay that's a product that feels special to me um and but I what I'm not gonna do is like buy someone's elderberry syrup from all the way across the country Mm. when I know someone in my town that has made that medicine locally and so I think you know there's people everywhere that are making yeah or not everywhere, but sure. in a lot of places sure. that are making medicine locally. Yeah. And I think that's where I really try to tap into that mm-hmm. medicine of mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I want my cold and flu medicine coming from the environment exactly. in which I live because right. that's what I'm up against. And then, right. um, and so that's why I don't sell like a ton of just kind of like, I don't sell a version of fire cider. I don't sell elderberry syrup. Sure. I, I'm just trying to sell things, I guess, that are a little different yeah. in that way. Um, the I, I'd love to hear, since we're talking so much about you making stuff, mm-hmm. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about what kind of like your environment is like that you make stuff in. Do you have a studio in your home? Um, I know you live in sort of a rural, <laughs> rural area, um, not in the city anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what's and and obviously you're spending a lot of time outside um, gathering the plants that you're using. So yeah, tell us a little bit about just like what's what's a work maybe even like what's a work day like. Um, not and t- we'll get to the business side a little mm-hmm. bit more, but more just in terms of like your making of the medicine. Yeah, um, I have a workspace um, in a town called Fort Bragg on the Mendocino coast. It's not the town that I live in. Um, I live in a little tiny town called Little River that has like 400 people Mm. in it. Um, And Fort Bragg's a little bigger. I think it's like 3,000 people. (laughs) But it's the biggest coastal town on the Mendocino coast. And um, it's yeah, so that's my where my workshop is and where I go to make medicine. And I really just got that workshop space because I couldn't imagine living in a one-room cabin with my partner and mm-hmm. then being like having bottles everywhere and just, right. you know, running a business out of my house just got to the point where I was like, nope, can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I have a separate space that I go to and make the products. Um but I and I also have a wonderful employee named Chelsea who works for me one day a week mm-hmm. um, and makes makes the potions too. Mm-hmm. But but the the potions are kind of a two step process in that sure. I have to also make the flower essences that are going into right. the products. And so th- wow. that's a very different kind of work day for me where I'm 
where the gathering of the plants is I don't actually harvest the the plants that I'm making essences of. I usually will bend a flower when it's in full bloom or maybe pick the flower from the plant and put it in a bowl of water and and that is like a day where I'm in ceremony making okay. medicine where I like wear a certain outfit that feels really powerful to me. I usually am fasting. Um I don't really talk to other people that day. Um I'm kind of doing my own trance work Mm -hmm. it's just and for me that's what feels powerful Mm -hmm. to me that's my magic Mm -hmm. and um yeah that's just kind of what I found to be the way that works for me in making flower essences so sometimes I'll get up before the sunrise and go out Mm -hmm. to the plants and set it up before the sun rises and then either spend all day with the plant as it's making the essence or I will leave and come back as the sun's setting Mm -hmm. sometimes i'll make them at night during different like lunar cycles or under different astrological events like venus transiting the sun or Mm -hmm. just depending on what what medicine i'm trying to create um sure so that's like a very different aspect of the work that is magical and ceremonial which not that putting things into bottles and labeling them isn't a different kind of magic but it's more of the like witchy side of it that I think people think that I may be doing all day every day which is not true (laughs) but um yeah so I mean I definitely spend a lot of time outside being with the plants um but I also spend a lot of time putting things into bubble wrap that and that like breaks my heart (laughs) Right. <laughs> Using the bubble wrap breaks my heart. I've never received a broken Sister Spencer product. Well, so bless the bubble wrap. Others have. Others despite the others bubble wrap. Have, others have. <laughs> I know. Oh. So that's a good transition into what are some of the parts of running a business that are hard, that are not just flitting around making magic all day in your robe. <laughs> I don't know if you wear a robe. You Sometimes. do have your like special kind of jacket that yeah. you wear, which I really uh-huh. like. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, what's some of the, give us some of the nitty gritty. What's the not fun stuff or the, or just like what's been hard for you? Cause it's different for every, some people yeah. are like, Oh, book. Actually, I don't know this person, but I'm assuming they exist. Who's like, Oh, bookkeeping, watch me go. Um, <laughs> but generally types like us maybe mm-hmm. have similar hard parts. So what are, yeah. Well, and I know you found some solutions too, so you can tell us both problem and solution. <laughs> okay. I'll do my best. Or the path at least. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's the thing is that I really have no idea what I'm doing, which <laughs> is, is a hard part in and of itself, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel like is really true for a lot of small business owners right. that I know these days, or you're just like every day I learn something new, which right. feels really true to me. Um, And I think the thing that's the most interesting or feels the hardest to me is, you know, saying that I'm an herbalist and then spending so much time on the computer. Right. (laughs) That to me feels really hard and just like answering so many emails and sending PayPal invoices and reminding people to pay PayPal invoices and just, you know, just like all of this computer work that Mm -hmm. I never would think that an herbalist would do as part of their work but I feel like there's like days where I spend hours and hours and hours on the computer which is frustrating um and like gives me headaches um Mm -hmm. literal headaches Mm -hmm. but um yeah and I think 
what else is hard is just that I I have a lot of questions around like money mm-hmm. um I mean luckily I now have a bookkeeper which mm-hmm. is amazing mm-hmm. and so helpful um and really holds me accountable because for so long I just was like I don't know how much money I make I don't know if there is money and really like just the fear of that made me not want to look at things straight up and so getting a bookkeeper has been so helpful um and then hiring someone which was also really hard Mm -hmm. um I have a certain way that I like to do things that I like to make my medicine I like to smudge myself before work Mm -hmm. um before I make the medicine that's going out into the world and Mm -hmm. I wanted someone that understands that um and understands like even that the music that we listen to when we make the medicine affects the medicine and you know just just there's all these kind of elements to it that feel important to me um and so finding and and even just realizing like asking for help was really important um and hard to do and then kind of giving up responsibilities still feels really hard but so necessary because for a while I was just me making all the formulas all the time and then I would come home and had no I don't know just no creative urges anymore I just was like I'm totally wiped out and can't think about other ways in which I would want to expand my teaching curriculum or my product line or do research for clients it was just so draining Mm -hmm. um so yeah hiring someone for one day a week has been a major blessing cool um so in your teaching I've definitely been really inspired I think also as someone in their 20s you maybe see somebody who's teaching something that has like a full curriculum or you've been teaching these courses that are like over many weeks which I think you don't really see people our age doing Mm -hmm. as much Um, I think that generally is or it's saved for like higher education or like colleges is where you Mm -hmm. a college is where you find like a longer term class that you would take Um, or it's with someone who's like 40 or over you know Mm -hmm. who's like been I'm doing air quotes like been in the game for a while (laughs) Um, and so I've been really inspired to see you just really own your knowledge and just be like yeah I know this and or or be really humble about like I don't know everything but I'm still gonna offer you this class you know Mm -hmm. and tell you what I do know um so tell us because I think we're also we're kind of like in this Instagram fast-paced Twitter world where Mm -hmm. it's like hard enough to get people to come to a two-hour workshop Mm -hmm. um I was really um, stoked how many people came to your signed up to come to both sessions of mm-hmm. yours. You taught a two part class here, um, but I know you've been having like six week classes. Um, so tell me a little bit about what, like, why you were like, I want to do classes that are like longer like that and not just have these, you know, spitfire mm-hmm. little ones, um, but also why you do the little ones still and mm-hmm. just what what it's been like to do both kinds of classes and what the response has been like. Yeah. I don't think I've ever thought about that before. (laughs) Um, I, 
Huh. I guess the longer classes for me reflect healing Mm -hmm. in terms of healing taking time and the plants want to spend time with us and I think to just take one plant workshop as an introduction as an introduction to Mm -hmm. the realm of plants Mm -hmm. is really awesome but to really feel confident I had to take many many years of classes and it's and it's still not that I feel like I really know I feel like that's kind of like a piece of capital in a way to say that you like possess that knowledge because I don't even really feel that that's true but I feel like I know what what resonates with me and what feels true to my spirit and Mm -hmm. that's and I think that's kind of the way that I see about teaching classes is that I I like to create spaces to to have like an interactive discussion that sometimes I generally lead (laughs) (laughs) around around just magic and plants and healing and all different kinds of things and and those are conversations that for me require time and dedication and it's a practice and um and I think and and what it is too is is kind of going against this linear kind of I think capital based idea of like knowledge that we can take one class and know something and possess it, possess it as ours which I mean I still feel like I'm meeting nettles after like 10 years of working with this plan and right. it's showing up in new ways for me all of the time and so I think the longer classes just allow for building deeper relationships with this knowledge and with this um, work and with with that practice. Um, because the practice in itself is the healing. And so by by asking people to come to longer classes, I think it creates more room for themselves to commit to doing that work. And I know that for me working with plants is an everyday practice. Like I can't just take them one day and expect this miracle healing to occur. I need to show up again and again and again. And so um, I, I guess that's what the difference is for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that, does that answer the question? It answers the question for the long Oh, and then why class, I, I think. offer shorter classes. Yeah. I think, well... Because people still only want to take a two-hour class. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's well, the an answer. And it's good to introduce um, ideas. I mean, I've had people come in that has, they've taken one class and they feel so inspired by that one class of just uh-huh. the possibility of what... Right what a different idea of healing or taking care of themselves could look like and then they go off on their own thing and so I guess I just I like to think that you know there's many possibilities but I also like to invite the opportunity for people to spend more time in it if they so choose but um I mean I also really feel like we're kind of at a point in terms of the earth being in crisis environmentally and you know, of just where we have to do this work now. And so by offering one-off classes and one-off workshops, it kind of maybe hopefully will inspire 
folks to want to continue to show up for it. But yeah. When you're, what's, I think something that I've gotten out of the practice of doing since leaving like a more structured educational world of college or school mm-hmm. is like a practice of researching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I've seen, or just seen you like refer to books and you're teaching or just know that you're kind of like in that practice. So why don't you tell us some, maybe some of your favorite books Yeah. Um, that like, led you to some of the work that you do now um but also just like what do you do when you have an idea like especially with something that's so and this will kind of bring us a little bit into the ancestral work that you did during your residency and that you're kind of like framing a lot of your classes around but um when you kind of have this idea of like I want to do a class like that's like about this you know you're working with this pretty ancient um practice of plants because they've existed for like ever <laughs> uh, so you can tell I'm really smart about plants <laughs> they've existed for like ever for really um, so where do you go you know yeah. where are you going to the library you going to google.com you go to wikipedia <laughs> you got some favorite books you know you go into the encyclopedia like when you have the, your idea for a class what's generally your next step of researching and then how, how long does that take Mm-hmm. Does what is do you, you got books? You got your glasses on? Paint us a picture. <laughs> um, I do wear glasses, so they're they're on generally. Um, I I guess I go everywhere, and that this is always my problem with teaching is that I never feel like I have enough material prepared, and then yeah. I come to the class, I'm like, wow, I could speak for seven hours to right, this topic, right. and that was yeah. So that happens a lot, but. Um, I think for me, I, I mean, part of the whole reason why I got so enchanted with plants was from the books I was reading when I was at Evergreen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at Evergreen, you're allowed to design your own curriculum, mm-hmm. and so I just wrote my own independent study contracts and just spent every day reading about plants. I literally just took any book I could find Mm -hmm. on plant medicine and read it and then just spent hours walking through alleyways in Olympia identifying plants Mm -hmm. and taking them home and working with them and so a lot of a lot of the things that I speak to in terms of the plants medicine has come from like my own personal experience just because I've spent time developing relationships and I'm still in relationships with the plants and then also from so many wonderful teachers that I've had um like Atava Garcia Swazeki who runs the Ancestral Apothecary School in Oakland and was one of my teachers at Ohlone she kind of introduced me to the ancestral work and Mm -hmm. um I mean I feel like I just literally at the beginning was so hungry for the knowledge that I just was like going anywhere I could google.com yeah (laughs) anywhere um but I definitely do now when I have an idea around a class um I will I don't know I guess a lot of the ideas for classes come from my dreams Mm -hmm. um which is a big way that I inform my business decisions Uh and my life decisions Uh um 
But sometimes, like, Nick at Homestead, Mm -hmm. he will just call me and be like, I want you to teach a class on this. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I could do that. Cool. And so sometimes people have just kind of put me up to it, especially when I was first starting out. Like, Nick really encouraged me to just start talking and see what happens. And so sometimes I felt really unprepared and Uh just did it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, in terms of books that I refer to, one of my all-time favorites is A Modern Herbal by Maud Greaves. It was written a few hundred years ago. Um, it's a two-part book, and um, it, I love it because it's um, there's a lot of folklore in the plants uh, or in the Materia Medica in the sections about the plants, mm-hmm. um, and and that's another place too that I go to a lot is just folk tales, mm. and I look in folk tales. Um, and folklore around like what plants are used mm-hmm. where and when so um, that's something that I do a lot and then I don't know like all of Rosemary Gladstar's books are absolutely incredible resources mm-hmm. there's an herbalist in upstate New York named Robin Rose Bennett who wrote a really amazing book that I'm now blanking on the name mm-hmm. um, but I honestly, like, I, my herbal library at my house is mm. huge. Cool. I have so many books and continue to accumulate them. Do you want to write a book? <laughs> I do. I want to write a spell book. Whoa. Yeah. It's been on the back burner for some time, but I'm starting to, like, actually take it seriously. And that was actually one of the reasons why I came here was to do more thinking about it and just kind of step away from my normal routine to be like is this a possibility did you think about it kind of (laughs) (laughs) thinking about it now baby thinking about it right now we're on it (laughs) cool yeah so I would like to create more space for that in my life while you were here on your during your residency I'm always really inspired I we were talking a little bit about this when residents come and they just kind of like don't really have an expectation and a plan I think that's a great way to come with, like, kind of a framework, but also just like, oh, we'll see what happens. (laughs) Um, So you went uh, up north to both the upper part of the lower peninsula and to the upper peninsula to do some kind of family research, some ancestral research. Um, So I'd love to hear about what you did and what you found out and why. I, I mean, I was just so... I loved that we introduced ourselves in your workshop um, by talking about where we come from ancestrally and yeah I think you know it was a lot of people around the table were like I don't know I'm a white person and Mm -hmm. I was like whoo okay like we've all got a lot of work to do around this and and looking at where are we appropriating other cultures and where can we just actually look at our own Um, so Tell us a little bit about... (laughs) Take the next 45 minutes. (laughs) But I'm really interested. Maybe you don't have to go too deep into into all of that, but I'm more interested in you telling us about your personal trip that you took on your residency. Okay. Um, Yeah, so I have always wanted to go to the UP because my dad went to school in Michigan, and it was a really big part of his mythology in this way um and I just heard about the wild lands of northern Michigan and Uh. how incredible it is and 
I've always like just felt really drawn to that mm-hmm. part of the world and it wasn't until I was here that I was talking to my dad and he was like well you have a cousin that's in Grand or not Grand Rapids <laughs> in Harbor Springs and uh-huh. you should go and visit him so I called him and just said can I come I want to learn about the Polish side of the family because I don't know that much about them uh-huh. and he said yes come tomorrow and then I just made it all happen in a few hours and yeah and I and I'm I was just so excited to be in um a part of the country where I can actually visibly see Polish culture I've never Mm. seen that before um even though my grandmother is Polish we mainly celebrated like Italian um traditions and and had Italian meals because my grandfather was Italian and so I feel like it was very recently that I made the connection of like oh this whole side of this family is Polish and that's part of my heritage and that's what's been really coming through a lot in my dreams is needing to do more Polish ancestral work um so I went up there and got to look at my great-grandmother's cookbook, and which is a spell wow. book in it of itself, yeah, really. Cool. And, um, yeah, look at pictures and just hear about family dynamics. And also heard a lot. I think it's really interesting. I heard a lot about my family's diseases and, like, the just kind of the inheritance of, like, heart disease in my family and, mm. and thinking about that in herbal ways. And then also just, like, what does that mean to have... A lineage of heart disease um and yeah and then once I was done visiting them I went up north to the UP by myself to just spend some time doing ancestral research in forms of dream work mm-hmm. um I use my dreams a lot as ways to to seek um information Um, that I then back up with research as a way to validate things that I am dreaming. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also just to spend time with birch trees because I have this really special connection with them and it's just so amazing that, yeah, the birch forests of Michigan are there. (laughs) I was just, yeah, I I was like crying a lot. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, just, and, and spending time with the plants and doing a lot of plant sits and hanging out with them. Um, but yeah, I... What's a plant sit? <laughs> oh No, I mean... Sit yeah, basically, yeah. yeah, you say hi to it, uh-huh. and sometimes you're just touching it, or maybe not even touching it, just uh-huh. feeling what uh-huh. it feels like to yeah. be near it, cool. and sometimes I'll, like, take a bit of the leaf in my mouth and uh-huh. sit with it, and uh-huh. yeah, just kind of introduce myself, say hi, because there uh-huh. were some plants up there that I didn't know and uh-huh. wanted to introduce myself uh-huh. to, so... Cool. Yeah, um, but yeah, the ancestral work is definitely a really big part of my work because as someone who identifies as a white person or a person of European descent, it's just interesting to see this this inheritance of colonization and um, slavery and um, oppression and exploitation that, for the most part, white people have continued. Um, mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to start to look at my own lineage as a way to tap into what happened. Like, how did we get so far away from our own identities or nationalities to be, like, white? 
<laughs> um, and and really just learn my own people's folk traditions and healing ways because there's so much power there, but a lot of it has been forgotten, um, which I think is part of the reason why culturally we keep messing up so many other people's cultures is because ours has been erased a really long time ago. Um, or those of European descent. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of just something that I've been thinking about a lot and teaching classes around is just connecting with European folk healing lineages as a way to maybe not appropriate others lineages. Um, and yeah, learn to kind of come back home into our own bodies as well. Cool. Yeah. Um, so you go home tomorrow. I know. Sad. (sighs) Um, and then what's next? What's maybe your next kind of, you'd kind of, you've already kind of had a big year. You re- released four new um, potions, formulas that you've been working on, mm-hmm. which are incredible. You. And you've, you know, you're continuing to build these new classes. So when you get back, what's kind of your like next project that you are going to be working on? Yeah. Um, maybe it's secret. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Maybe I don't even know what it is yet. Uh, I Well, I'm opening a classroom space in okay. Fort Bragg okay. um, because I'm really trying to travel less to the Bay Area, and I would like to offer like a year-long plant apprenticeship class. Ooh, ooh that gave me a little tingles. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I want to offer – I just really want to root in the community in Mendocino yeah. because I've been traveling so much for work that sure. I am like, wow, what – I'm just, I just don't feel like I'm a part of that community yet, even though I've lived there for over a year now. Yeah. Um, so I want to really ground there and learn the plants in Mendocino and be a member of the community. And that seems really exciting to me. But then of course, as I say that, I'm also leaving for a month in August (laughs) (laughs) to go to Italy. Um, Wow. For a month? For a month. Yeah, because I'm going to do a month of kind of ancestral research as well. I'm going on a two-week tour with an elder um, named Alessandra Bellina, and she carries the tradition of the Tarantella folk dance, and we're going on a tour of the Black Madonna um, throughout southern Italy and learning the songs and dances and visiting sacred sites, and then I'm going to do my own thing for another two weeks, and so... Yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens, and I'm mainly excited. I've been to Italy before, but I wasn't, I was really young and was not at all interested in ancestors, kind of. I mean, I was, but from a different viewpoint, and I think the thing I'm most excited about is dreaming on my ancestral lands and seeing what dreams come through, because that feels really powerful. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, so that's some dreaming some on ancestral lands. That could be the name of a book. Yep. About dreaming on ancestral. <laughs> I was like, ooh, what would it be about? <laughs> exactly oh, that. that. Um. So the last question of the Half Company podcast is, what are you excited about? Mm-hmm. Um. So that could be like a book or a podcast or a movie or a f- new friend or a club or like a haircut. Just anything that you are like people, listeners, I gotta tell you what I'm excited about. (laughs) 
Okay. Um, I'm... Huh. Wow, I'm excited about so many things. It's really kind of wild. You don't have to pick one. What do you mean? You don't have to pick only one. Oh, I can say a few things. Yes. Okay, I'm excited about... Um, humpback whales. Ooh. Um, they're migrating north right now, and um, they're just really beautiful to see. You're gonna see them? Yeah, I've been. Yeah, I was seeing them before I came out here, and they're happy. They're traveling north with all their babies right now, and it's just like oh my gosh, so beautiful. And there's like schools of dolphins that are escorting them north, and it's oh. probably one of the most exciting things of all time. Yeah. yeah. So that's something that I'm really excited about. Um, I am also really excited about um, farmer's markets happening again outside farmer's markets. And I... Ooh, that reminds me of when I eat a nectarine. Yes. Stone fruit season. Yeah. I'm really excited for that. Um yeah, I'm, I feel so excited about opening into the abundance of summertime that comes with amazing harvests. And also, I've been meeting new farmer friends on the Mendocino Coast, young, inspiring farmers that are doing really cool work. And cool. Um, yeah, it's just been so nice to connect with people that are growing food. It's so important. So that's something that I'm really excited about. And the final thing that I'm excited about <laughs> um, is red lipstick. I just learned how to make red lipstick recently in this past year, and it's been a game changer to be able to have really red lips but not be putting chemicals You've on You've been my making face. it? Mm-hmm. I've been noticing you wearing it and I've been like wow that's a really nice color yeah this really wears it well yeah I love red lipstick and I wear like lipstick when I'm camping and my friend Tatiana taught me how to make red lipstick and cool I'm so excited about it I know it's incredible it's beautiful any last words for the people um drink your nettles that, that those are <laughs> took the nettles right out of my mouth. <laughs> Drink your nettles, people. Bye-bye. Bye bye.